Woke up quick at about noon. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Welcome into the Monday, May 4th edition of the podcast with Amy Barling, presented by our friends over at Vibe Health Bar. They got three locations in East Sacramento, Oak Park, and Folsom. You can order through Postmates, DoorDash, Grubhub, all your favorite food delivery apps. Make sure you check them out. Make sure you check out their GoFundMe campaign to help support our local health care workers. Plenty to get to today. There's a lot of NFL news. Uh, Don Shula, the winningest head coach in NFL history, passed away this morning at the age of 90. want to mention that uh, right off the top of the gate. Many know him as the head coach of the 1972 Miami Dolphins. Of course, they remain the only undefeated team to go on and win the Super Bowl. Uh, 347 wins, I believe, including the playoffs. Uh, Wasn't able to get Dan Marino to that Super Bowl victory, uh, but he passed away this morning at the age of 90. Uh, There are quarterbacks on the move. We mentioned um, the NFL here. We've got a schedule release on the way. There's there's a lot to talk about, and we'll get to all of it uh, here today. But I want to start with uh, the last dance last night. It's become... um, I guess it's tradition here uh, now with, uh, you know, the, the, the focal point of our sports world being locked in on this documentary. Uh, I wanted to start with this one and this one, it was a, it was a kick in the gut right from the start. I, I do want to say this was by far my favorite episode or I, I guess better stated, this was by far my favorite night of episodes. I loved it for, you know, a number of reasons, which we'll, we'll dive into, you know, all of them today. But the main reason I loved it is because this felt like a Michael Jordan documentary. And, you know, we talked about at the beginning of this that this this isn't a 10-part a, a uh, Michael Jordan documentary. It, it's, it's a documentary on the Chicago Bulls where Michael Jordan is a, a very featured player in it. And, like, I read Bad As I Want to Be, you know, Dennis Rodman's book. I, I read that many years ago. I saw the Dennis Rodman 30 for 30 uh, really bad. That wasn't even that long ago. Um, I, I don't need to see a Dennis Rodman episode. I don't really find Scotty that interesting. I don't want a Scotty Pippen episode. Phil, I wouldn't mind like a Phil Jackson 30 for 30. For 30. I just don't want it here. I want 10 hours of Michael Jordan because there. I feel like there's enough on Michael Jordan that you could fill 10 hours and uh, we we got that we got you know two hours of of Michael Jordan last night and of course it, you know it starts with the nineteen ninety eight All Star game it starts with Kobe Bryant and that's you know it's just right out the gate we're gonna kick you in the stomach you got the you know in in loving uh, memory of Kobe Bryant coming up and and then you start to hear Jordan talking about that Laker kid you know he's in the Eastern Conference locker room talking about. You know, that 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 Laker kid. And it just it just it hits different. You know, it hits different because obviously Kobe's not here, but it hits different because we saw Michael talk at Kobe's memorial service and he spoke openly about, you know, the relationship that they had. And you you could see the seeds of that. Like he was aware of who this 19 year old kid was in the league and what he was doing. And he was also aware of his shortcomings, you know, talking about he's going to shoot them out of the game and do all these different, like he was aware of the things that Kobe did well. And he was aware of the Kobe, the things that Kobe didn't do well. And, you know, and then they get to sit down with Kobe. I want to play one clip. Cause I, I just thought it was a, I thought it was a great one. Uh, one little piece 
of uh, the documentary last night uh, in, in the Kobe Bryant portion where, you know, he, he talked about, you know, sparking up a conversation with Michael Jordan and then addressing, you know, questions of and, and comparisons of, of, of Kobe versus versus Michael. At that point, Michael provided a lot of guidance for me. Like, I had a question about shooting this turnaround shot. So I asked him about it. And, you know, he gave me a great detailed answer. But on top of that, he said, if you ever need anything, give me a call. It's like my big brother. You know, I truly hate having discussions about who would win one-on-one. And you're a fan saying, hey, Kobe, you beat Michael one-on-one. I feel like, yo, what you get from me is from him. I don't get five championships here without him because he guided me so much and gave me so much great advice. Such a great line. It's such a great line. What you get from me was from him. Man, that, that, that was such a good line. And that's how the show started yesterday. Like that really set the tone uh, for what we were, what we were going to be doing. That really set the tone for what yesterday's episodes were. And I'm already looking forward to, you know, next week's episodes. Um, but there was a lot, you know, there was a lot in this show and it started with, you know, it started with shoes and started with Jordans and it centered around, you know, I, th- I thought it was a, just a, a great storyboard uh, tactic by the, you know, the producers and the directors of that show to formulate, you know, when are we going to get into, you know, the Be Like Mike campaign? When, when are we going to get into Gatorade? When are we going to get into the Jordan brand and really lay out Jordan as, as, as the global icon that he's become? And it was brilliant to do that in 1992. It didn't start in 1992 by any means. But with, you know, the tie-in to the Dream Team, with all of the deals that the U.S. Olympic team struck up through, like McDonald's, for example, and obviously I think Michael Jordan had his own um, uh, deal through McDonald's. I actually have those cups that they were showing last night. I have I have three... I have three Michael Jordan um, McDonald's cups, including the one from the 1992 Dream Team here uh, in my studio office that I'm recording from. And uh, you know, the, the, like you saw the the be like the original be like Mike commercial all over Twitter yesterday, and you see the old school, like the old like I just can't even fathom anymore, like the old glass bottles of Gatorade, and it's like, oh my gosh, and it was brilliant. Uh, it was a brilliant storyboard strategy to implement all of that stuff uh, into the 1992 portion of Jordan's story. And leading into uh, yesterday's episodes, I was reading up on Jordan and, and, and the Jordan brand and, you know, the different, the different intricacies, you know, of his contract. Obviously, yeah, I'm, I'm sure many of you know, or you certainly know now after watching last night's episode, uh, sneakerheads have been aware, aware of this for a long time that Jordan didn't want to sign with Nike. Nike was still a startup. They were still very much making tennis shoes. Like they, they weren't making, they were making shoes for tennis players to play in. And Jordan was like, ah, eh. you know, I, I think he wore Converse in, um, in college, Adidas was offering more money. Uh, and so there were there were a lot of different, you know, caveats. And they gave Jordan, they told Jordan, Nike told Jordan out the gate, like, we're going to, we're going to brand something around you. Like, we have some ideas. And they started showing him mock-ups, like, uh, 
the 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 flight wings that are on the Jordan ones, those were uh, included in in their original meaning. And in the, the different caveats to Jordan's first deal with Nike are amazing. Uh, like if Jordan didn't sell four million dollars worth of shoes by the third year, Nike had the right to cancel the deal. Um, Nike sold seventy million dollars worth of Air Jordans in their first two months of nineteen eighty five, and then they sold around a hundred and thirty million dollars worth of Jordans in the first year. So Nike had the ability to cancel the deal if they didn't hit four million. They wound up hitting a hundred and thirty million in the first year, and that's where there started to be a shift in like oh. We've got something here. That was the shift in the marketability of of Jordan that has never, ever, ever been touched. Because you look at you look at Kobe's. Kobe's for a long time had the because they're super comfortable, especially when he you know redid and went to the fly knit and went to the lighter material. The Kobe Bryant shoes are super comfortable, and amongst basketball players, those were the most popular, both in the NBA and you know at twenty four hour fitness. Like those, those were the shoes that that ball players wanted to wear. Then the Kyrie Irvings came along. Those ones are really good. People like LeBrons, and I think people like LeBrons because they're LeBrons. But LeBrons' first shoes were, bro, they were rough. Like they were heavy. Like LeBron's shoes were built for LeBron and no one else. They were built for a dude who was six eight and two hundred and seventy pounds. They were not built for me. It was they were they 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 were like Frankenstein cement blocks for the average size person. Like they were big ass, thick, heavy shoes, and I and they didn't translate. And it wasn't until I don't know what maybe three four years ago where he switched the material. They're still relative to the other shoes. They're still heavy, uh, but they're not nearly as heavy uh, as they used to be. But. Kobe's as popular as they were. They, they, Kobe had the insignia. LeBron has the, you know, the LJ insignia. Uh, every, you know, every guy has like their logo. Like Melo has a logo. CP3 has a logo. But none of them take off the swoosh. Like LBJ's logo, you know, the King's logo, it's, it's there with the swoosh. Kobe's logo, it's there with the swoosh. Chris Paul, Carmelo, their logo was there with the Jumpman. Starting with Jordan, well, Jordan 3s, they had the Nike Air on the back. But as you got further, as you got deeper into the Jordan-like line, that that Nike sign disappeared, and it became just Jordan. And Jordan is operated, you know, to this day, it's operated as a separate brand from Nike. It's operated as a completely different brand. In in Jordan, we've discussed this before, where you know athletes coming out, if they want to, you know, uh, you know, if they're lucky enough to get a, a meeting with Jordan, Jordan has you know first dibs over Nike. Like Nike can like Nike offers more money than Jordan. Nike offers a lot more money than the Jordan brand does. With the Jordan brand, there's this prestige of being on the Jordan brand. And with that comes less money. It's like you get to be in this exclusive category, but we're not going to pay you nearly as much as, as what Nike does. And Jordan usually, if Jordan and Nike want the same guy, Jordan is the one who, who, who he, gets, he gets first dibs at it. 
And it 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 is Michael Jordan. It's not like a team of people who are trying to come up with athletes. Like Jordan will say yes, and Jordan will say no. Jordan will say get this meeting. Jordan will say don't you know don't even bother. Like he oversees his brand, you know, in 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 that way. And you know, what did we just say? One hundred thirty million dollars the first year, according to Forbes. Jordan made an estimated one hundred forty-five million dollars in endorsements from May of two thousand eighteen to May of 2019. So what are we talking? 16 years? 14, 16 years after retirement, Michael Jordan made $145 million in endorsements, 130 of which came from the Jordan brand. One of the most memorable things I ever remember watching, it was it was some sort of documentary on Nike. And... This was, we were still in peak tiger era. And I remember they're laying out uh, how much some of their athletes make. Like they laid out how much uh, Tiger's deal was and how Tiger essentially launched. Like Nike created a golf line because of Tiger. And they talked, I think it was like a, like a $200 million deal. I want to say five, but I'm, I'm leaning. So let's, so let's just for safety purposes, say between it was somewhere between a two and uh, $500 million deal for uh tiger and for the um, Nike golf category. And they were openly talking about this on, on this, on this show, on this documentary or whatever it was that I was watching. But when they got to Jordan, they were trying to cover the Jordan brand. They didn't release how much Jordan made. And that always stood out to me. It stood out to me because they openly acknowledged that Tiger made, you know, around $200 million from Nike, but wouldn't say how much Jordan made. And this was, again, this was, this was still peak Tiger time. So this was, you know, this was, this was a while ago. I'm, I'm sure this was like maybe, 2006 or seven, maybe that was the, the, the first time that, that I saw this. Um, the Jordan brand made $3.14 billion um, in the fiscal year ending in, in May 19th that we just discussed where, where Jordan uh, made $130 million uh, from the brand. Uh, $3.14 billion. Uh, also, according to Forbes, more Jordan brand shoes and apparel are being sold than any other signature line of any other NBA player combined. So you add up LeBron and Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony, and you add them up with um, Kyrie Irving and, 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 and even Kobe Bryant. They don't touch that $3 billion uh, that the Jordan brand makes. And with the brand and the acquisition of, of the Charlotte Hornets. Those are, those are Michael Jordan's two biggest assets. His net worth has grown from $1 billion to $2.1 billion. He had, he was a, he was a billionaire for the first time in 2015, uh, in 2020, he's a billionaire a couple of times over, um, for more context into Jordan's, um, endorsement money from the Jordan brand. 
$130 million 16 years after he retired. One year, $130 million 16 years after he retired. Jordan made about $94 million in his playing career. And remember, most of that came in his last two years when he signed like $30 million deals. This was in a different era of NBA contracts. Um, on the team now, on the, on the Jordan brand, Luka, Luka's a Jordan brand guy. Zion Williamson is a Jordan brand guy. You saw Jason Tatum in the new Be Like Mike commercial uh, last night. Uh, Westbrook, Kemba, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, they're all Jordan brand guys. Roger Federer, Michael Thomas, they're Jordan brand guys. Uh, David Price. Since the start of... Um, since the start of The Last Dance, sales for Michael Jordan-related items. Now, that doesn't just include the Jordan brand. That includes jerseys and all of that other stuff. They've gone up 198%. So that was, you know, I, I love them digging into the shoe business. I love them digging into the, the marketing business that is Michael Jordan. Uh, another thing that I thought they did really, really well, and I, I feel like they've done this. I, I you know, I, I feel like they've been setting up next week's episodes from the beginning, because we know, you know, we know what's coming next week. Um, we know that we know that the loss of his dad is coming next week, uh, and we know that retirement is coming next week. And they've done a really, really good job at building, you know, the relationship between Michael. I mean, it's just, it's just brilliant storytelling. They've built the relationship with Jordan and his father through six episodes. And it's going to pay off in the most heartbreaking fashion next Sunday. And in addition to that, they've, you know, and this episode... This uh, this set of episodes that we watched last night, it really is starting to push. You know, I, th I think it was I think it was David Aldridge, and I'm sorry for not making a note to make sure this is 100 percent right, but I think it was David Aldridge who said he was having a conversation. You know, he said Magic Johnson came up to him once and he said, "Y'all, y'all are gonna push him out of the game. Like you guys are gonna push him out of here," and you know, they, they showed, you know, they talked about the, the, the Atlantic city stuff and, you know, him breaking away after the, you know, the Knicks had uh, beaten them in the Eastern conference finals in the first two games. And you, you, you started to see like how this is just weighing. And that's kind of a theme. That's been a theme throughout the last dance is how the pressures of being Michael Jordan weigh on him and, and how the cameras weigh on him and how the media weighs on him. And there's a, you know, there's an interview from 19, it's Roy Firestone. So it's probably like 1985 is young Michael Jordan, maybe 86. But he says, he says, I'm going to retire at 30 and be a golfer. And the, you know, this is, this is, what, nine years before he actually does it, except he doesn't go on to become a golfer, but he goes, goes on to become a baseball player. But you, they've, they, the, the storytelling throughout this documentary, even if I haven't loved every single episode, has just been brilliant because it sets up what's next. 
and you see them, you know, you, you, they have made it. And even in this episode, they made it so clear Jordan's relationship with his father and Jordan's father, you know, talking to the media after, you know, Michael goes radio silent after the Atlantic city thing. It's like, Oh man, this, and then, and then it's all to build to this gut wrenching moment. That's going to come next week. And I learned something else too, that I think it's worth passing on. And, and this is stuff you guys might not care about, but I'm going to share it with you anyways. Cause it, it, I, it just gets me. The because it, it matters to me. I'm always curious about stuff like this. The blue shirt, you know, the the interview where Jordan's in the blue shirt, he's got the, you know, the whiskey and the cigar next to him. That was shot two years ago. And I think yesterday's episode was our first look. I think we might have gotten one the week before, but uh, yesterday's episodes were our first look at the black. Like he's doing an interview in a black shirt. That was done in December, so you know six months ago. Um, and by the way, if you get on Twitter and come across any media personality, almost certainly an ESPN personality who raves about how great this documentary because they've seen it, great, how great this documentary is because they've seen it in their entirety and they can't wait for you to see it and all of this self-important crap that these ESPN personalities were tweeting, feel free to call them on their crap because episodes nine and ten aren't done. All of these people who leading into the documentary were screaming, you guys are going to love this. I just finished watching it. They were all lying because nine and 10 isn't done. And they're, they're finishing. Cause remember this bumped up four months early, three, three months early. What month are we in may? Okay. It's like two months early, but you get the idea. It's early. They're still finishing episodes and they're still, you know, you know, rough cuts are, are being approved and passed along and all of those different things. Um, but, I, and I even found out they were still, they were trying to get interviews as late as March. Like they were, they were, they were trying to get an interview with, um, Oh, who was it? John Stockton. They were trying to get an interview with, with John Stockton, like right, right. I think he said, I was listening to Jason here, talk to Dan Patrick. I think he, it was, it was March 10th. And if, if memory serves me correctly, that was the day before like the world ended. I think that was the day before the NBA season shut down. I feel like the, the day that I want to say that was, was March 11th. So it, 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 like they, I mean, they were really, you know, getting stuff, uh, you know, last minute uh, here as much as they could. But I loved hearing, I, I loved finding out the the dates in which these interviews were done because we knew we knew that the this documentary has been in the works, and I'm not talking about the 1998 portion of the documentary. I'm talking about the the 10 part version of the documentary that we know it for now. We know that it's been in the works for at, at least three years. So I was always curious when these interviews were done. The blue shirt one is two years ago. The black shirt one uh, is from December, and the black shirt one was filmed actually. After this episode was put together, um, they showed Jordan the clips of uh, the guy who wrote the book. Um, I think it's called Young, Black, Rich, and Famous. They, they, they showed him some of the comments that he made about Michael Jordan. Then they sh- you know, showed him you know, the guy who said uh, Michael Jordan's going to be forgotten while guys like Muhammad Ali never will. 
like Jordan wanted to address that. And that was one of the catalysts behind, you know, the new interviews is he wanted to be able to say, and I, re- and, and, you know, it's funny, man. And this, this was another part of the episode that really stood out to me. Cause this is a part that people were, were waiting a long time for him to dr- address. And it's the Harvey Gantt stuff. Um, it's the Republicans buy sneakers too. And w- what was funny about it is no matter how many times I've read 50 different articles, and that's not an exaggeration. I've read at least 50 different articles that describe that moment that describe the Republicans buy sneakers too. And how it was clearly a, as Jordan said yesterday, it was a common said in jest, but you can't interpret tone through a written platform. You can't, as, as many of us have become aware, you can't interpret tone through Twitter. You can't interpret tone through a newspaper article. You can't interpret tone without actually hearing someone's tone. And I had read over and over and over and over again from the people who were there, from the people who were covering it, from the people that were in the facility, people who even got, you know, for, uh, uh, secondhand information you know, from other members of the Chicago Bulls, that the remark was clearly a joke, but it has been run with as as Jordan's, like, most political statement in that he, yeah, Republicans buy sneakers too. And, I, and there are people, there are people that, you know, I used to work with one. Ken Rudolph dislikes Michael Jordan to this day because he doesn't feel like Michael Jordan did enough for the black community. Like, he didn't do anything for Harvey Gantt. He didn't do anything. He didn't, you know, stand up and speak loud enough when, you know, black voices were needed. And there's a, there's a couple of things worth pointing out. It's also a good time to mention that be conscious is coming back, but I'll get to that in a minute. No one's going to ask Tom Brady about his relationship with Donald Trump in 30 years. You know, people aren't going to ask why Tom Brady supported Donald Trump in 30 years. Because white athletes aren't carried with the same burden that black athletes are. Like, black athletes have to speak up for the entire black community. White athletes don't have to do that. White athletes don't have to do it. Jerry Seinfeld doesn't have to do it. Um, name another white star. Brad Pitt doesn't have to do it. Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't have to do it. None of them do. But Will Smith does. Michael Jordan does. You know, if you, if you, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z, they do, and Jay-Z hasn't done a good job of it, but you know what I'm saying. They have to, once you hit a certain level, if you are held at a certain regard in the black community and you don't say anything about black issues, you're vilified. And that's what, you know, Michael Jordan has been vilified by a lot of people to this day, especially now in an era where, it's easier, but one, it, in an era where athletes are much more vocal, and two, in an era where it's easier to be more vocal. You don't, like, he doesn't have to pull, you know, a moderate shot aside and sit down and have a conversation with him. He doesn't have to do that anymore. No one had, LeBron doesn't have to do that anymore. LeBron had something to say about rumors about the NBA season being shut down. What'd he do? He grabbed his phone and he, he typed it out on Twitter. What's he do if he wants to get tone across in video form? He goes to Instagram Live. You're your own reporter, and you're your own reporter instantly. You break your own news now. Wasn't the case then. There's still people who hold this against Michael Jordan. 
and I, and I and I laugh at that because I think, man, okay. Just think back to let's think back to Rodney King, right? Let's think back to the Los Angeles riots. Anybody remember what Magic Johnson said about Rodney King in the Los Angeles riots? The king of Los Angeles, the Showtime Lakers. Anybody remember what what Magic said? I'm, I'm, I'm pausing. It's a dramatic pause. You know, we do that on the show to give you a chance to think. He ain't say nothing. Magic didn't say anything about, about, about Rodney King. Magic didn't say anything about the Los Angeles riots. He didn't say nothing. And he almost, it was almost like, oh, he, he wasn't on the level of Michael at the time. At the time. Michael had surpassed him. So it's like, well... We only have to look to one guy. And it's and it was Jordan. Jordan ain't say nothing either. Nobody in the NBA said anything. I sure would have liked, and and I, I knew that they weren't because it's kind of it, it, I, I don't know how to frame it. Like I don't know if it's rumor or it's it's just connecting your own dots. I, I don't know what it is, but I was hoping that there would be some addressing of the Craig Hodges situation. You know, Craig Hodges went to the White House and to the Sheiky. Craig Hodges wanted to talk to Jordan, wanted Jordan to help him, you know, get to the president to talk about, you know, issues that, that mattered to him. And Craig Hodges has not been seen since. There is a strong belief that Craig Hodges was blackballed. From the NBA. Like, oh, we, we can't have this in our locker room. We've got to, nah, we're not doing this. I don't know whether he was or he wasn't. The NBA is now a different animal than it was then. And I'm just, that, 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 that stood out to me so much. And, and I'm not one of those guys who is mad at Michael Jordan for not speaking out. Um, I actually can uh, respect the fact that he goes, I'm not an activist. Like, I never have been. Um, That's not me. Like, I'm focused on one thing. And if you want to call that selfish or you want to call it whatever you like, that's that's me. That's who I am. I am focused on one thing. I'm like being and, you know, living in the world of activism. That's not for me. And I don't know how you can't respect that because it's something that's only asked of him. But what did Larry Bird have to do? Larry Bird didn't have to do anything. The only thing Larry Bird had to do was, was sit across. God, it's amazing how many times this dude has put his foot in his freaking mouth. He had to sit next to Isaiah Thomas, who, because Isaiah had, had gone out publicly and said uh, uh, Larry was uh, only considered good or Larry was considered one of the best or whatever, Larry wouldn't be looked at the same way if he was black. Like Larry's just looked at as good because he's white. Like that was Isaiah Thomas. Seriously, Isaiah can't figure out why he's hated. He can't figure out how he got left off the dream team. He can't figure out why people don't like him. And yet just here in, in, you know, the last two weeks, we've been able to put together a couple of pretty high profile instances from that era in which brilliantly lay out why that dude is so disliked. But that's the only thing Larry Bird ever had to do. Larry never had to stand up and say, hey, white farmers in French lick need, I don't know, 
something. You never had to do that. White athletes aren't looked to do that. Joe Montana didn't have to do it. Joe Montana didn't have to, you know, go around the streets of San Francisco and preach about gay rights because he lived in San Francisco and he was the, the focal point of San Francisco. Well, he didn't have to do that. Or he didn't have to stand up and say, hey, white people deserve whatever white people think that they're lacking. I, like, they, they, just, they don't have to do that. Black people do. Black athletes do. Black entertainers of of certain stature, and and they're always held like, you know, that there's almost a certain level of a black entertainer you don't want to get to because it comes with too much responsibility. Jay Z hit that level. Jay Z hit that level that comes with extreme responsibility, and you see, you see what happened. It hasn't gone well for him. Some people care. Some people don't. His relationship with the NFL. Beyonce hit that level. She's managed to... Somehow Beyonce has been separated from from that whole Jay-Z fiasco. Not that her name was never attached to it, but that is her husband. But she she's not looked at uh, uh, poorly in the black community because of, of, of what Jay-Z did. Like, she hosted... You know, she did homecoming. Like, she did stuff that were... You know, she celebrated uh, uh, historical black universities. Like, she she's about the cause. You hit a certain level, you got to be about more than what got you to that level. For Jordan, he hit that level and he had to be more, he had to be about more than a basketball player and he wasn't interested. And I don't know how you can hate him for that. I would rather him not, I would rather an athlete or, or, or a celebrity or entertainer, whatever, not be interested than be what Jay-Z is. I would rather Jordan say, nah, I'm I'm just I'm not getting involved in this. Like, sorry. Like this this isn't my platform. I'm I'm not getting involved than being Jay-Z and going, oh, I'm gonna get involved and I'm gonna sit across from Roger Goodell and I'm gonna tell everybody, well, we don't need to kneel anymore. We're past the national anthem stuff. We're past kneeling. Like, are are we? We're we're past kneeling. Because you do know why he was kneeling, right? Like, we're past that. Oh, well, this is about respect for you know, uh, authority. Huh. It's about respect for our, you know, blue lives matter, except when it's a bunch of white people screaming at you that their fucking nail salon should be open. And I'm not going to launch into a big tirade about what's going on across the country and these reopen the country protests that are going on. I'm just going to say, if you're out there screaming that, I need to open my barbershop back up because I'm losing money. I need to open up my business. I need to open up this business. I need to open up that business. We're dying and we're starving because we need to open up these businesses. If that's what you're screaming about, I understand. I think you're wrong, but I understand. Look around at these rallies. It's not what people are screaming. They're screaming that they want you to open your business so I can go get my hair cut. I want to go get my nails done. I want to go tan. I want to go to the gym. I want to go do whatever it is that I do so you people need to open up your stuff so we can be serviced the way we want to. I didn't see any of those people out there saying, I'm starving, like I'm losing my house, I'm losing my... You know, I'm, 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 I'm burning through my savings. I didn't see any of that. I saw signs that said, I need a haircut. 
That was a bad deviation. I told you Be Conscious was coming back. This wasn't meant to be the episode of Be Conscious. So we're going to get off that. We're going to get back to the Jordan documentary. The one last thing before we move on, because there are a number of other things to talk about, particularly in the NFL. Uh, the story of the burnout I thought was great. And it, and it, again, it's going to culminate in next season. And it brings up, you know, the, the, the most, I think the biggest, what if, or maybe, maybe not the biggest, but one of the most enjoyable conversations, the what if conversation that people will always have is if Jordan didn't retire for two years or a year and a half, I guess, would the Chicago Bulls have won eight championships in a row? Most people definitively say yes. The The only reason I'll say I think they would have won four, because we'll learn in the next episode, or in the next set of episodes at least, that 94 Chicago Bulls team should have been in the NBA Finals. I don't know what they would have looked like against the Houston Rockets, but I know that they shouldn't have lost to the New York Knicks. And... If that and I have to assume that that series is going to be outlined, if not that series, if nothing else, that game seven is going to be outlined. That 94 Chicago Bulls team was really, really good, and I think they could have been the NBA champions. I think they should have been the NBA champions. We know what happens in 95 when Jordan comes back part of the way through, they lose to Orlando. Houston goes on to win again, and then the, the, the next three peat starts. But I've always been of the belief you can't. You know, I've used this line with you before and I'll, and I'll use it forever because we're all so guilty of it. We all say, well, if this had happened, then dot, dot, dot. If Jordan wouldn't have retired, then the Bulls would have won eight in a row. That's a given. Well, it's not that simple because part of that equation, part of the equation for the Bulls winning a second three-peat was Jordan's retirement. And we're learning here through this this series, you know, the burnout issues were real. He was tired of being in front of the cameras. He was tired of talking to the media. He was tired of under every movement he made being so scrutinized. He was sick of that. And so when you put together the equation that winds up with the Houston Rockets winning the, winning the championship, or when you put together the equation that winds up with the Chicago Bulls winning a second uh, stretch of three championships, one of the variables in that equation is Jordan's retirement. If you take away that variable, I don't know that teams are going to react differently. New York is going to react differently. Houston is going to react differently. Like there's a chain, there's a chain reaction. If the Chicago Bulls just come back in 1994, ready to win their fourth straight title. So it's, it's, and it's fun and we're all guilty of these, you know, these what ifs. We're all guilty of saying, well, if this hadn't happened, then this would have happened. But we have to recognize that uh, you change a variable in the equation, the outcome of the equation is going to change. The, 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 the answer to the, to the equation is going to change. So it's not as simple as, oh, they would have won eight in a row. There would have been wholesale changes across the leagues of teams trying to catch up with Chicago. But as it was, Jordan walks away for a year in some change, and then they go on to win three more. I mean, you you know what a better question might be is if Jordan had come back during the offseason and played all in 1995, would they have won the title that year? Would they have beat Orlando? And would they have gone on to beat to beat Houston in the in the NBA Finals? So a lot of these stories that they've been building over the last three, four episodes, they're going to they're gonna come to a head uh, in the next two episodes. Uh, and we've got two weeks of this left. By the way, if you're a sneakerhead, the, there's, some, there's, some, there's some good releases coming up 
in the next couple of weeks. There's some good releases leading into that final episode, and there are some great releases coming out of that final episode. So if you're a if you're a Jordan guy, if you're a sneakerhead, uh, keep your eye on the May releases. There are some great ones uh, coming up. Um, as we move along here, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I've kind of uh, hinted at this. I've, we've talked, I've more than hinted at it. I've told you about it. Uh, the new Patreon account uh, is live. Uh, it's available for you uh, right now. You go to patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Uh, there's different subscription tiers with different perks. There's three exclusive podcasts that are going to be available on the new Patreon account. I had just mentioned that Be Conscious is coming back. Well, it is, but it's coming back to Patreon only. Uh, we're going to be doing a new episode at least once a month there. Of, and, and we're also going to have all of the archives of Be Conscious available because those aren't available anymore on podcast on all podcast platforms. They're available on some but not all. Uh, we're going to have all of the uncut episodes available on um, the Patreon account, including new episodes coming this month and every month. We also have a new weekly wrestling podcast debuting this month as well, and we'll have exclusive Sacramento Kings content, assuming that the Kings ever get to play basketball again. So all of that and, and a lot more, including weekly live video shows, uh, they're going to be completely exclusive to Patreon users. So head over to patreon.com slash Damien Barling or go to DamienBarling.com and click the orange Patreon button to join. Uh, it should be noted as well. I've picked the release date for the new wrestling podcast, which I don't think that I've told you the title of. But uh, in case I didn't, it's called Relive. And we're going to relive some of the greatest moments in, in professional wrestling history. We're going to relive some of those moments and we're going to tell the backstory uh, uh, about those moments, both what we saw on TV and what was playing out behind the camera. Um, so those, those are going to be available on a podcast wide platform, whatever your favorite podcast platform is June 3rd. Uh, and there is a reason that I picked that date and I'll explain that as, as, as we get closer to it. But the, the, the live podcast, the relive podcast, the live version available on all podcast platforms won't be available until June 3rd. The first episode of Relive is available right now for Patreon users. So again, go to patreon.com slash Damien Barling or DamienBarling.com and click on the orange Patreon button in the left-hand corner. Uh, and you can check out the very first episode of Relive featuring the WrestleMania 17 match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. The Dallas Cowboys have a new quarterback, uh, a backup quarterback, who was once a starting starting quarterback. We got Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is a member of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he signed a one-year deal with... I think three million in guarantees. Um, if he winds up, you know, getting out there on the field, whether it's things don't work out with Dak Prescott, and I don't think it's ever going to go that far to where Dak Prescott actually misses games uh, or he gets injured, he has incentives that get him up to about seven million dollars. But it is a one-year deal, and I think this is where I think this is where Andy Dalton is at. I think Andy Dalton is a I think he's a backup quarterback now who is probably going to get an opportunity to start. At some point, again, in his career, he's 32 years old. He has plenty of time left in his career. 
I just don't, I don't, I don't think it's, I, I don't think he's going to get much run. You know, Dak has been pretty durable. I don't think he's going to get much run with, with Dak Prescott, or I, I don't think he's going to get much run with the Dallas Cowboys, but I do think he's going to be a valued commodity uh, throughout the NFL. And, you know, unfortunately we see it every year. Uh, someone's going to get hurt and someone is going to desperately need a starting caliber quarterback. I, you know, I don't know how great Andy Dalton is, but if you needed someone to kind of patch you through a few weeks, I think Andy Dalton could do it. I don't know that you want Andy Dalton. Like, I don't know if you want going in week one, Andy Dalton is our guy. We're building our franchise around him. But if you've got, you know, I don't, Sam Darnold, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Kyler Murray, somebody gets hurt in week two or three, I think Andy Dalton is a very, very, very serviceable backup. I mean, and obviously the same is true for for the Cowboys. Like if Dak Prescott gets hurt, Andy Dalton can step in and, and, and be just fine. I was wondering if he would wind up in Jacksonville. I, you know, I don't know what Jacksonville's plan is with Gardner Minshew. I'm assuming he's starting this year. Um, But I wonder... I wonder how long that leash is with him. And so I thought maybe, you know, Andy Dalton might wind up in Jacksonville. I wondered about New England too. There were there there, there were a number of articles released over the last maybe 5 or 6 days talking about Jarrett Stidham and his, you know, oh, he's he's going to be the guy. Like he's going to be okay. He's going to be able to handle the pressure like he is. Everything Bill Belichick is going to want and need like he is the perfect guy to take over for Tom Brady. And it's like great. In theory, that's excellent. In execution, maybe it wouldn't hurt to have a slightly more capable backup than Brian Hoyer. And I don't know. Maybe Brian Hoyer and Andy Dalton are one and the same. I don't think that they are. I think Andy Dalton is, I mean, Andy Dalton has started his entire career. Meanwhile, you know, Brian Hoyer has started less than 40 games in like 11 years. So uh, that leaves Cam. That leaves Cam Newton, and it leaves... Uh, I mean, Andy Dalton was unemployed for what? Like a day and a half? And, this, you know, I, I go back to our conversation with Kyle Matson a couple of days ago. We, you know, he brought up a great point is teams are going to be... You know, they want to see him. They're going to need to see him uh, in person. A team that has seen enough of their quarterback in person is the Chicago Bears. Uh, a, a team that I thought was a prime uh, destination for uh, for Cam Newton, they went the Nick Foles route. Uh, they've seen enough of Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, he declined the fifth-year option, or sorry, they declined the fifth-year option uh, on his deal, and that's that. He'll earn uh, $4 million uh, in the 2020 season, and he'll count uh, $9 million against the cap, and then come the 2021 season, Mitchell Trubisky is free for everybody. The Bears went 8-8 eight and eight and failed to reach the playoffs last season with Mitchell Trubisky as their number one quarterback. Of course, uh, Nick Foles came in this offseason in a trade with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mitchell Trubisky is only 25. He'll be 26 when he's a free agent. The Bears uh, moved up to draft him. Um, and I guess I need to double check this. Didn't the 49ers decline the uh, option on 
Thomas as well. And, and so what, isn't that who they drafted? Isn't that they being the 49ers? Didn't they draft Solomon Thomas when the, when the bears drafted Mitchell Trubisky and both of them are just kind of like washed of it. Like, eh, okay, we're just, <laughs> we're good. We've seen enough. We're good uh, on the fifth year here, guys. We're going to keep it moving. I heard the NFL schedule, or, or read, I should say, that the NFL schedule was going to be released this week. Um, as we discussed, uh, it doesn't appear there's going to be any international games. I don't think that was 100% confirmed uh, by Schefter, but the belief is there's going to be no no international games at all. Uh, and as I pull up Schefter's, yeah, here it is. The NFL plans to release its preseason and regular season schedule. All right, then. Preseason. Uh, one league source said Sunday that he doesn't think any in international games are coming this year. So uh, you've got that. Um, I think that's coming up on... It, it normally gets released on Thursday, but I think I read that it was coming out on Saturday. Not th not that it matters, but uh, we're going to get the re release of some sort of schedule uh, this week. And they, uh, one of the PR people for uh, the NFL said, if we have to make adjustments, we'll be prepared. Um, but we we want to get a schedule out there. Okay. All righty. There's there. They're going for it. Like they're, they are writing everything out. They're very much in the, hey, there's nothing to see here. We are going to keep it moving. We're going to keep operating as if everything is 100% normal. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep moving. Don't mind us. Put your head down. Let's go. And I, I guess they can be applauded for that because they're not doing... They're not doing anything dangerous. Like there's there's nothing dangerous about this. I mean, if they they've said if they have to make adjustments, they'll make they'll make adjustments. I have to assume they're going to have to make adjustments. Like preseason games start in two two months, June, July, or three months. I don't know, man. I don't know where we are. You know what I mean? Like it it, it feels like we're it feels like we're miles and miles and miles away from life returning to normal. But then you, you know, you see people out at beaches and you see these rallies going on and it's like, man, I want to go to the store without a mask on. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm running out of gloves to put on when I go to the store. Like, I, like is there just a new normal? And I don't, I don't mean a new temporary normal. Is there just, is there like a new normal going forward? Like prior to, if March 11th, if I'm, if I'm right about that, and it'll take all of two seconds to look up because it was, I know it was a Wednesday. If March 11th, and that's when it was, that was the day of the Pelicans-Kings game. So March 13th was the day that California gave the stay-at-home order. Will, will we ever go back to the way things were on like March 10th? Like are we, <laughs> or is just, is just everything different now? Like, are there no more middle seats on airplanes? You know, there are these uh, uh, weird glass, you know, dividers up at some, or not glass, plastic dividers up at grocery stores. There's, you know, uh, shots of what Las Vegas is going to look like at, at tables moving forward. Like, is that life now, like moving forward forever? Or is that just temporary life until a vaccine comes out? Like, it's... We're in this 
like we're in this life altering moment and it's so weird. Like it, we're living a movie and it's, we're living, I am legend. And it's just, it's difficult every time something normal comes out, like the release of an NFL schedule to wrap your brain around like, wait, this is, this is completely normal. Like this, this feels completely normal. Like I haven't felt normal in a, you know, two months. I don't know what to say about this. Uh, to follow up on the Andy Dalton stuff, the Cowboys waived uh, quarterback Cooper Rush as well. I hope you had the opportunity to check out the Alex Smith documentary. If you didn't, and I call it a documentary, it was that E60 piece. It was an hour long. It was, if you didn't get a chance to see it, uh, two things. Uh, one, it's it's really, really, really good, but it's really difficult to watch. Like, it is extremely cringeworthy. It is very, very, very graphic. Like, very, very graphic. And there, I mean, I, I'm kind of a cringe, like I cringe at stuff. Like there, like I'm, I don't, want, I don't know if grossed out is the right word, but there's just some things like, I, mm, I'm good. Alex Smith's leg, oh, I'm good. The, there were, I, I thought the worst part, because there was like a fleshy, they described it as a flesh-eating bacteria that was eating through his leg after the surgery, after his initial surgery. He's had like 17 surgeries. There was a flesh-eating bacteria that was that was literally, it was eating him from the inside. And they showed his leg, and I was like, oh, Wow. That's a lot to see, and it was like it was black and bubbly, and oh, that was by that wasn't even the worst part. When they showed how they 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 showed uh, how the bacteria kept spreading in his leg, and what his leg looked like as they continued to remove it, remove the bacteria, and. It looked like it it looked like something you'd see in like a medical class or like a bio like like it didn't look real and they were just like shredding away it was it was oh like I actually couldn't believe that they showed it it was it was extraordinary but the story is phenomenal and when it ended and I've said this before I said this before the documentary I'm and I'll, and and, I, and I'll say this now after watching it I prayed it. God, he never plays football again. Like, I hope he he gets to the point where the where the doctors go, dude, like you did, like you're you can you're good. Like, if you want to go to camp, like you can play. And I and my hope is Alex Smith goes, Great, I retire. <laughs> like, I hope he uses this as motivation to get to the point that he wants to get to and then go, wait, I'm good. Like I can play football. Yeah, man, you could go play football. Cool. I'm never gonna do it again. Because he's he was clear, like all he wanted to do is he wanted to be able to play with his kids, and and you you know at the end you get the happy ending. They show him all that. They show his leg. Uh, his leg still looks, you know, it's it's beat up, but it's like it's muscular again. Like he's built his leg back up, which is something they weren't sure that he was going to be able to do. They they weren't sure that he was going to, you know, be able to 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 essentially build the strength in his leg all over again build in brand new muscle tissue. Um, and he, you know, he look he looks phenomenal. He looks great. Uh, he looks like he can live a completely normal and healthy and happy life. 
And I'm hoping that he's using the NFL as motivation. And so he can just get back to the point where, you know, the, the, the doctors in Washington say, dude, if you want to do this, like you're, you're a hundred percent clear, like you can go, there is no risk for dot, 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 dot. And then he just walks out, walks straight to the podium and says, I did it. I made it. They said I can play. I'm not going to, I quit. I retire. I'm walking away. But I just wanted to make sure before I did that they told me I could play so I can go out on my own terms. I hope that he does that, man. He's impossible not to root for. Um, yeah, just he's, he's, he's just an impossible guy to not root for. So if you haven't seen the E60 documentary, just know going in, it's, it is really, really graphic, but it is 1,000% uh, worth watching so go check that out uh and thank you so much for tuning in today thank you so much for tuning in every day if you have the opportunity to go check out the patreon page and you have a couple of bucks that you're willing to uh uh to invest into programming here go check it out i know that times are you know tight right now and i completely understand man i'm not going anywhere that patreon page is going to be live for you for a very very long time uh but i'm going to get to work on the new be conscious episode um i'm going to get working on the new weekly wrestling podcast the king stuff that's not coming until the king season returns whether you know it's next year or whatever i'm going to continue doing the sacramento kings podcast for hoop ball i'm actually on a conference call with those guys today as we kind of lay out our strategy uh moving forward so uh, the free sacramento kings content isn't going anywhere but if you have an opportunity to go over to patreon.com slash Damien Barling or DamienBarling.com, uh, check that out. And I really am anxious. If you do become a subscriber uh, and you listen to the Relive podcast, please let me know what you think. It is totally different than anything I have ever done. Uh, I've recorded a couple of episodes and episode number two is actually going to go up on Patreon here within the next few weeks as well. So go check that out. Uh, and we will be back here tomorrow on the podcast with Damien Barling.